I'm glad I did that. That's what, how you know that you have a passion. And that's what it takes in podcasting because there are so many times you have to just press through, but it's your passion that carries you through because you know you're going to get that reward at the end. Podcast Junkies, episode number 12. Okay, so we have uh, a guest today that needs very little introduction to those in the podcasting world. Daniel J. Lewis has been podcasting since 2007 and started out with his ramen noodle podcast, what he labels a clean comedy podcast, and it's something that he decided to put out that he found that wasn't currently out there, and there was uh, no podcast that was serving that audience, and he stepped in and with his knowledge of everything technology related, um, uh, WordPress and uh, podcasting and uh, audio recording, um, he realized very quickly that he had the skill set to launch his own podcast. And that has grown over the years to include the Audacity to Podcast uh, podcast and um, also um, a couple of other shows that now form what's known as the Noodle Mix Network. And it's his collection of his own podcasts and podcasts of others who have joined um, his family. It's uh, a, a nice collection of shows. Daniel continues to learn and grow both his own podcast and the network with everything he's learned along the way. He is one of the uh, pioneers in podcasting, having done it for close to seven years now. So he's got a lot to offer the community. And his show, The Audacity to Podcast, was actually nominated and won Best Technology Podcast at the New Media Expo in 2013. So congrats to him on that. So it's just a testament to how strong his show is, how, how much content and value he's providing to his listeners. And I see only good things uh, continuing to come his way. So one technical footnote here is that the first couple of minutes of audio on Daniel's side were cut off, and that was entirely uh, attributable to me. And funny enough, uh, Daniel had, as one of his episodes on the Audacity of the Podcast, the list of items that you need to have as your checklist prior to starting your show. Ironically enough, it so happens that I have an interview with Daniel J. Lewis, and I obviously didn't go through my checklist thoroughly enough, and um, there was an audio setting that resulted in his part not coming through uh, for the first couple of minutes. So that's on me, and it's a lesson learned, and it's funny that it happened with Daniel, and it's something that's definitely not going to happen again, but you live and learn, and... I'm working my way through all the technical aspects of getting these shows completed. And it, it is a lot to keep tabs on, but that's definitely not an excuse. So um, just wanted to let you guys know that, um, that that happened. So where we were in the conversation, the, the, it was mainly the, the um, intro at the beginning of um, thanking him for being on the show. And um, what we were talking about at this point was my interest in his recording a live podcast. 
a couple of his shows are recorded live um, and that adds a different dynamic to the to the show and obviously makes things a bit more interesting from a technical perspective and from a preparation perspective and that's part of what we were talking about uh, at this point in the conversation it makes there's nothing that beats that live feeling i guess when when you re- really feel like it makes the editing easy i'm sure because if if you're going to do it in one take then you you don't have to worry about editing the audio later on right there are always moments here and there where there's some major problem that happens and i only edit out distractions or some kind of catastrophe like something just breaks or there's a cough or or something overly distracting but I don't edit out every um and uh and lawn pause or anything like that. But the live aspect of it is really fun because I, I like being in front of a crowd. I like working the audience and I like interacting with people while I'm presenting the content and seeing their reactions. And we get some of that live. Now, we don't wait on it because there's a 30 to 60 second delay. So yeah. if we tell a joke and wait 60 <laughs> seconds to see someone in the chat room type LOL, that's no good of a podcast. So we don't really interact with the chat room through the podcast much. We will reference the chat room like when we do our TV show fan podcast about the show once upon a time, yeah. we'll be talking about something in the chat in the show. And then someone in the chat room adds an extra detail or corrects a detail for us. So when we see that, we can say so and so in the chat room just mentioned this yeah. thing. And we bring that into the conversation, but we're not directly interacting with them. Yeah, it, it it's almost like what you when you mentioned earlier that you you did you've done stand up three times, um, and there's a there's obviously an, a live interaction with the audience going on there. So you get you're almost getting that that ru- that same rush in some way when you're doing a live broadcast. I would think a bit, yeah, and it's also great to get the corrections that we get. Sometimes there's a a thing where we will say, "I'm not quite sure on this detail," but and then continue on. And then by the time that we're ready to, or before we're ready to move on, we can see someone in the chat room has corrected the detail or quickly done some research or found something for us. So it makes our podcast content even higher quality because instead of leaving out that detail, someone has been able to provide it while we're recording. Yeah, and, 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 and the fact that you're able to mention that on the air helps or allows the fans as they're listening in to feel like they're actually part of the show. Right. And a lot of people like coming, even though they're subscribed to the podcast and download the episodes faithfully. And some of them actually listen to the same episodes more than once, but they love coming to be part of the live community, to get to interact with me, get to interact with other people, even though they know they can download it later. It's just a lot of fun for them. And some of them will stay in the chat room for hours and hours <laughs> and hours after we're finished. Like I've gone uh, back when I used to stay up and edit the episodes the night I recorded them. Yeah. I would go back and announce in the chat room just so the link would be out there that the episode was published. And it'd be, we finished recording at something like 10 o'clock or nine o'clock and it would be 2 a.m. in the morning and there are still people in there chatting. Wow, And it just blows my mind, but they love it because it's building a community. And that's one of the really fun things about live streaming is as long as there's that kind of chat room where people can interact with each other, then it really builds a community as people get to know each other. So from a technical standpoint, you would just leave the chat room open 
Yeah, I never close the chat room. It's okay. and I I embed my own technologies onto my own page or not my own technologies. I embed whatever technology works onto my own page. So I tell people visit the ramenoodle.com slash live, which just takes them to the noodle mix network live page. And that's the same page they always go to. And it doesn't matter what technology I use. If we're live on video, it shows the live video. If we're not, the chat room is always there. It doesn't close. So at any moment, they can go there and chat while we're recording afterward or just some random time in the day. Oh, so that's interesting. So it's almost like a, a always live forum. Yeah. And in fact, in our forum for the TV show, Once Upon a Time, we do now have a chat room there that if you're a forum member, you're also logged into this chat room and you can chat with other people who are on the website at the same time. And that goes crazy, too, because they're, they're chatting sometimes about on-topic stuff. And, hey, did you see the latest thing? I'm going to post it in the forum right now, but what do you think of this idea before I post it? Sometimes it's completely off-topic stuff that they're chatting about something else. But it's community conversation. Yeah. I love that. And they're your, like, um, your super loyal diehard fans, right? Yes. Yeah, definitely. A couple of them seem to never leave the website all day long. <laughs> you, it makes you almost wonder what it is that they, what their daytime job is because they're, <laughs> they're spending a lot of time on there. Yeah. So you're a um, self-professed geek, right? I think I've heard you say that yourself on a couple of the shows and it was interesting. I was like, well, let me get a feel for what the comedy show is like. And, and then you, you, you basically talk about that topic and your the first topic of your comedy podcast was about your your foils with a with a dishwasher which i thought was <laughs> hilarious but what, what was the strangest thing to me was the intro because i like to be I'm, i mean i like to be um efficient so i listen at 2x sometimes on these podcasts yeah. and so you already have some sort of chipmunk at the beginning of the of the show and then i listened at 2x and i'm like wait a minute is this the 2x or is this the fact that he actually <laughs> and then i started to even think further i'm like is this actually daniel's voice like being modified so i got a couple of questions on that for you yeah it is something that from the beginning i guess it was around that time that i saw the movie flushed away okay. i can't remember exactly what time that was released but one of the things that that had in it were these little snails that would sing songs throughout the series, uh, throughout the movie. And they sung in this like chipmunk sounding voice. And one of the songs was Lonely. But it's, it's actually a slight combination. I think maybe I heard even before this, Akon's version, which is a combination of the, uh, the original version, but kind of sped up in chipmunk sound. And then Akon's voice as a rap and this combination was fun and entertaining and in the beginning i thought this would be fun to do so yeah that first theme song is the version of lonely okay um, i have this full uh, lyrics written out for the whole song but none of them have all, all been used but uh, it is my voice for every instrument what i did is i found a midi wow. file online and i have music software on my computer. So I looked at the notes, saw where the notes were, I separated the different parts, and I would perform each of them, then synchronize them together, change their pitches, the tones, and pick different voices and sounds for different parts and put that all together. And that was what we considered the season one yeah. theme song. And season two was kind of in limbo. Season three is what we're kind of on now. We don't really have official seasons. We yeah. just call it that. 
and we end the season when we feel like it, <laughs> but, uh, or when something big changes. Yeah. I was thinking about, I was wondering about the concept of seasons because for some of these shows that have gone on for years and years, it almost is like you have to think about it in seasons. You get into the hundreds of episodes yeah. and you, and the show, there's, there's an arc to the show and it evolves over time. And like you said, the, the intro music changes, you bring on a, a co-host, um, and different aspects and the show evolves. So you almost have to think about it, but what you're saying is you haven't literally thought, okay, January to December, right? That's season one, that's season one, season two, et cetera. Yeah. It's been pretty much when the branding changes is when we okay. change seasons. And what we did that was really cool then with the season three theme song is I reached out to our community of listeners and I said, would you like to be part of the theme song? Here's how you can do it. You pick this part. I'll send you the music. You perform this, send it back to me, record it. And so we've got, I think, five or six different people's voices are now part of the third season theme song, which is a play on uh, the song, "Be uh, <laughs> Make Your Own Kind of Music. Yeah. We call it Be Your Own Kind of Noodle. And it, we heard it in the TV show Lost, in the season two premiere of Lost. And it's just a fun kind of 80s or earlier song. Yeah. And we then voiced each of the different parts of it. And it turned out really fun. So you're, you also have uh, musical production skills, apparently. <laughs> yeah, my actual education is in music composition. Okay. Um, not design, not programming, not public speaking, any of that. All of those other things I was self-taught. But yeah. what I was educated on was music composition and that plays out in very tiny ways today. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I grew up DJing and then I picked up uh, music production, like uh, creating like electronic music tracks. So I, I, that's helped here as well. And I, I thought it was interesting um, when, I, when I can use some of those skills I've learned as I'm starting to get more involved in the technical aspects of podcasting. Oh, yeah. It's fun. And you get to see how each talent that you have can cross over and aid in other talents as well. Yeah. And I think you've, you've definitely done that from the beginning. When did you figure out that you wanted to podcast? Because it's 2007 and you know, what led up to you turning on that microphone on that uh, eventful day? It started when I first discovered podcasts, which was when iTunes uh, started supporting podcasts in there. And I looked for what I thought I'd be interested in at that time, just general technology. And I found This Week in Tech and Jesus Geek. And I listened to those. And especially with This Week in Tech, I realized these people are recording a Skype call. They're editing the audio. They're publishing it on a website, a WordPress website. I know how to do yeah. all of this stuff. And I used to listen to talk radio on my 75-minute One Direction commute from home to work. And I thought it would be cool to have my own radio show someday and to be able to talk about whatever I want to talk about or have some kind of theme maybe or anything like that. And at some point, I realized I could podcast. So why don't I go ahead and do this? And that's when I started thinking about what could I do. And it would be the clean comedy stories that I thought would probably be the most fun to do, especially once I saw a model of someone else doing something kind of similar. And uh, so I just pulled it together, launched it, and then struggled with it for a while. <laughs> and so you picked comedy as your first uh, niche. And so did you have uh, comedy heroes or people you had looked up to or, or were inspiring you um, to, 
to, to go down that route? Not really. The, the model that I saw was a podcast that was referenced by Leo Laporte and Amber MacArthur back in their show that they used to do called Net at Night. And they mentioned this podcast that mentioned them. And it was called You Suck at Web Design. And I am also a web designer. And I thought that sounds interesting. But I checked it out. The guy's voice was amazing. He just had such a great voice. But what he would do is he would write these fictional stories about being a web designer. And he would embellish them with comedy details and such. And I realized this is kind of my storytelling mechanism. It's a solo show. It's scripted. This can work. And it's really entertaining. And that's what I did for my first nine episodes it took me so long, though, to produce those first nine episodes because I was scripting them and trying to perform them verbatim. I was editing out every little mistake. I was trying to be perfect. And that's why it took two years to release nine episodes. And there's a iTunes review for the Ramen Noodle podcast that says something like, the podcast is lots of fun once you get past the first nine or so episodes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's where I put yeah. my blood, sweat, and tears. And But... I see that people enjoy something that's a bit more casual and something that's more relational too and real as well. Yeah, and I think that's that definitely comes through and in, and it's the podcasts that I'm drawn to um, because what's happening now is there's uh, several schools teaching podcasting and they're teaching podcasting in the way that they learn post- podcasting. So the new people that are coming on are just wrote like repeating what they're told to say on every show and before every episode and after every episode and when to plug your iTunes review and when to ask for feedback. And so at some point they start to sound very, very similar. And it's refreshing when you just feel like you've jumped into the middle of a conversation and and people are just talking like people normally do. Yeah, exactly. And it's very easy to fall into those ruts of either things that we assume to be true. And that's, I'm doing a little series right now on the Audacity to Podcast where I'm challenging some of the podcasting assumptions and seeing which are really still true and which should we throw away. But it's easy to also want to mimic someone because you see someone else have success. We start to think everything that they do made them have that success. So if they burp in their intro for their podcast and they have a million listeners, well, then maybe if I burp in my intro, that'll make me have a million listeners too. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it's funny because um, what you've said is repeated a lot of times and every, it's almost like people think, don't, you know, don't listen back to my early podcasts because, you know, they're not the, they're not the ones that are a reflection of my true voice now. Um, and, and it's just consistent. So it's almost like, you know, to, to folks listening, it's, it bears repeating because everyone keeps saying it, just start recording, get your podcast out and get those first 10, 15, 20 or years worth of episodes underneath your belt, because it takes a while for you to find your voice, right? Right. Yeah. And for every podcast that I've done, it did take, I would say at least five episodes to really see my approach to it and to refine that and let that come out then in the branding for that podcast. And so it was interesting. So moving on to the audacity to podcast, the way you described it um, is basically about your passion. Cause I was listening to the one, uh, your episode on, on passion uh, or where you mentioned your passion and you're saying at some point your passion should overpower your content and your confidence. I think that's the, how you put it. But I think what you were trying to say there is it's better to 
be overly passionate than to not have any passion because that's sort of what people listen for. In- right. The passion is what keeps you going as well. It's, yes, sometimes it is work to produce a podcast, but the passion is the thing that after you finish, you feel invigorated. You feel like you could go take over a small country or defeat your greatest foes or something. You feel really excited. That's when you know that no matter how hard it was to get to that point, and no matter how much blood, sweat, and tears that you had to pour into it, if you have that moment after the fact, that's really how you can know that that was truly your passion. Because it's easy to say, well, I'm passionate about this, but when I start working on it, it's so hard. It's not very easy. That happens to all of us. There are days when I feel like I don't want to do the Audacity to Podcast today. I want to work on this other project that I have going. But after I finish, I'm just really excited, really pumped up. And I feel like, boy, I'm glad I did that. That's what how you know that you have a passion. And that's what it takes in podcasting because there are so many times you have to just press through. But it's your passion that carries you through because you know you're going to get that reward at the end. And do you do anything? I know you have, obviously, your uh, on one of the episodes, you had your complete checklist, your pre-launch checklist. But from a, um, from a personal standpoint, do you have something you do either mentally or some jumping jacks before you get started <laughs> so that you feel like you have that passion when you, when you're, when you turn the mic on? What I do is with the Audacity to Podcast, which is the show that and our Once Upon a Time podcast are the two shows that require the most preparation because they're the most detailed of the shows I do. With the Audacity to Podcast, it's another live show. So I know that at two o'clock on Mondays, Eastern time, I have to be live with content or around two o'clock. I can be a few minutes late, but not very much late. So I need to have content by then. So what I have is actually in my calendar, and I'm self-employed, so I can set my own schedule. But in my calendar, I schedule that from 11 o'clock until 2 o'clock on Mondays is preparation time. So as much as I can, I try to spend that time only focused on preparing. So I I know that, okay, 2 o'clock is coming. And if I'm getting distracted by other stuff, I'm watching YouTube videos, I'm going on some Twitter trail and finding a bunch of rabbits on different trails and all of this stuff, I know that I need to come back around and have an episode. So what thought can I take that I've been developing over time? Which of these can I develop into a full episode in the amount of time that I have left to prepare? But I I usually try to give myself that good bunch of preparation in the beginning. So that's, when you think about it, that's three hours of preparation. Yeah for 30 to 60 minutes of content. And that's how I think that podcast works well in communicating what I try to make it communicate is because I spend so much time preparing it. The same thing with our Once Upon a Time podcast. That one takes about five hours of preparation at least uh, for an episode. And that's why people know us as one of the most detailed Once Upon a Time podcasts, if not the most detailed, yeah. because we do so much research on this and prepare for it so much. What's interesting is that you do the preparation right before, so it's the three hours before the episode airs. And I guess you've probably, I'm assuming you've been collecting notes over time of some rough ideas, but then the the the, the bulk of the work happens right before the episode. So in essence, a lot of what you've compiled is still fresh in your mind as you start the show 
Yeah. And while I'm compiling it, I'm getting excited too, okay. because I'm realizing, oh boy, this is some good content here, man, this is exciting. I can't wait to share this. And in 10 minutes, I'm looking forward to this. If I separated it out where I prepare one day and record the other, I think that would give me even more time to refine certain ideas and thoughts and maybe gather some more feedback, maybe some more research and such. But I like the way that I'm doing it because I know this particular day is the day that I focus on this particular content. And I am taking notes on ideas throughout the week. I use Evernote to jot down ideas. I have outlines in progress and certain, I still have a list of topics that I want to cover in the Audacity to Podcast, a list that I created before I started the podcast. And I still haven't hit every item on that list yet. So I always have a list of stuff that I can come back to and prepare an episode about that. If I'm, if I feel like I'm out of ideas, well, I have a list of ideas that I can pull from. So the fact that you've put in that much work is re- must seem rewarding when you're you're given the Technology Podcast of the Year award, right? Yeah, that really amazed me when uh, in 2013 they announced that the the award-winning podcast for the technology category and the International Podcast Awards was the Audacity to Podcast. I, I was amazed because we had several podcasts in the finalists for that uh, time of the Podcast Awards. And I thought the podcast that had the biggest chance of winning was our Once Upon a Time podcast because that had the biggest audience by itself. Yeah. But what I was forgetting in all of this was the power of community And what we were doing is in all of our podcasts, we were encouraging everyone to vote for the podcasts that were in the finalist positions. So we were leveraging a much bigger community instead of just the listeners to the Audacity to Podcast voting for my show. It was also the listeners to Once Podcast voting and the listeners to our other content. And also what I found out later is that other people were also recommending that uh, their listeners vote for me in a category where they didn't have a, another episode. And it's the same thing I try and do too. I, I go through the list and I see these are the other podcasts that I listen to. I know the hosts or I like their content, whatever it is. So I recommend if you don't have someone else to vote for, how about you vote for my favorite podcast here that this other person does? And that's what several other, some prominent people did for me. And so this community as a whole is what helped me win the award, which was just amazing to win that and i totally didn't expect it has has the um effects of that of winning that award is that something that you could point a finger at and say this was pre-award this was post-award in terms of what it did to the show or the audience a little bit i think now more people know me and they see me as a little bit more reputable in the fact that Uh, I can say, I don't say this, but I could say I'm the only podcast about podcasting that's ever won an award. I don't say it that way. I just say I'm the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. So I don't rub it in and I I try not to flaunt it around. But I think more people do know who I am, maybe not necessarily the content I produce, but because of that award. Like I got to meet uh, last year or earlier this year, uh, one of the Twit hosts And I recognized him outside of the Rio and Las Vegas during New Media Expo. And this was a year after the award. 
And I just went up to him and said, uh, I introduced myself. I said, I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity Podcast. And he, he knew who I was. He never listened to my content. He's never met me before. I've never contacted him, interacted with him or anything. But he knew who I was because of winning the award recently. And that, that was cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So what, what happens the following years? Are, are you still eligible to, to be nominated in subsequent years? Yeah, a podcast can be nominated and win in following years, except for the two top categories, which is best video and people's choice awards. You can't win in that category or be, you can't win in that category more than once. So once you've won, you can't even be nominated in there. But after that, uh, you can, yeah, I can every year, I tell, still ask people, please nominate us, please vote for us. The competition is a lot bigger now. I still hope for an award for our Once Upon a Time podcast. I still think we have a potential to get yeah. one, but it's uh, leveraging the community as a whole. And also now that Noodle Mix Network is bigger, we have more podcasts on the network that are now qualified for the award, which will present new complications going forward because back in 2012 and 2013, we only had one TV show fan podcast that qualified for the awards and qualified meaning the podcast had started before the year of the awards. And uh, that was our Once Upon a Time podcast. Now we have three, no, four TV show fan podcasts that could qualify for the 2014 awards. So we have to strategize, how are we going to work with this out in the future with the network and everything? Yeah, there might be some uh, aspect of cannibalizing the votes among the shows. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a tough thing because yeah, if it comes down very highly to numbers, it is just like everything where any person's opinion matters, it is somewhat a popularity contest. But if we're looking at we have we'll say three podcasts and each one of them has a thousand separate listeners, well, each one could get a thousand nominations. But maybe the minimum to make it in for that year, based on the bell curve of just how many other nominations there are, maybe the minimum is 2,000 nominations. So we have three separate podcasts receiving 1,000 nominations each. None of them make it in because mm -hmm. they didn't receive enough nominations. But if we have all three of those podcasts focusing their efforts on a single podcast, then that single podcast can make it into the nominations for that category. And so that's the thing that I think we might try and do is focus on one network podcast per category. Yeah. And we may find ways of cleverly getting in different podcasts into different categories uh, if they're entertainment related, but we'll, we'll see how that works out. Does the, the TV, um, the fan sh show, I don't know what the category is called, the show or the genre is called, but the fan show podcast, that's its own category? The TV show. There, there's an entertainment category and there's a, uh, a TV and film category, I believe, of the podcast awards. I can I can look it up. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's something like that. And there are other things too, like uh, there's an education category. So if we have a podcast that uh, teaches critical thinking or philosophy based on science fiction, well, that could go under education instead of under entertainment. Um, yeah, there's a an entertainment category and a movies slash films category. Okay. okay. And also a culture slash arts category. So you, one of the podcasts could potentially go in there. You do have the uh, sci-fi 
show. Right. And that's, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely education. The yeah. sci-fi show, uh, Phi with a PH for philosophy. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all just strategizing. What's the best choice for the network. So when was the, um, when did, when did you think about the, the concept of having the network, um, as a place for you to aggregate the shows you were creating? And then obviously at some point begin to bring others into the fold. Yeah, well, the quick timeline is in 2007, I launched The Ramen Noodle. In 2009, I launched Are You Just Watching? And around 20, in the beginning of 2010 is when I decided I want to start a podcast about podcasting and also Audacity because there are certain things that I feel like most people uh, in this space aren't representing or aren't approaching it this certain way or aren't presenting all the options out there. So I just felt like I've got something to say too. So I started planning and it was with that third podcast, the Audacity to podcast, that I decided I want to start a network, but I don't want this to just be the Daniel J. Lewis network. I want this to eventually be a network of other podcasts hosted by other people where they are publishing their own content, managing their own sites to some degree, and that this whole machine runs itself mostly but it's a way that we can leverage the community for great things, that we can work together, that we can help each other succeed, and that can present great content out there to an audience. So I started Noodle Mix Network at the same time as I launched the Audacity to Podcast in June 2010. And uh, since then, it's, it's taken a little while to grow large enough where it could start bringing in other podcasts, but now it is bringing in other podcasts like we have Beyond the To-Do List, which yeah. is hugely popular now. And we have um, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast called Welcome to Level 7. We have a couple other podcasts about some TV shows. Under the Dome. Yeah, Under the Dome, Resurrection, uh, Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. So all of these different shows coming together and fitting within certain styles of content and a certain approach and then being able to leverage that. So I try to make it a win-win-win for everybody. A win for me as the network director, director, a win for the podcast host, and a win for the audience for them to be able to find other great content. And it's, it's finally reaching that goal. In 2013 was when I saw that starting to come about, that it was growing in the way that I had originally planned for it to grow. How do you position it when you have folks who are interested, either they approach you or I don't know if you're at the point where you're approaching other podcasters. How, what do you sell as the benefits of being on uh, something like uh, the Noodle Mix Network? Yeah, the, the main benefits to a podcaster, basically three main benefits there. One is access to more powerful tools like they get on my web hosting using a WordPress multi-site, which has several premium plugins, premium services tied into it that they get to participate in. The second thing is the cross-promotion aspect of it, that when they join the network, it means the other podcast in the network will also help promote that new podcast and bring some listeners coming from different aspects of the network. And number three is sponsorship opportunities. When I talk to a sponsor and I say, here are 10 podcasts representing a total audience size of this number with this many impressions per month, that's so much more interesting to pot a potential sponsor than just saying, here's one podcast with this smaller number 
would you yeah. even consider it? And many times their answer would be no in that case. And so uh, how much of, I imagine there's obviously some of the work that uh, they're happy to, to put in on your plate as opposed to things that they were worried about, maybe the hosting or keeping the, the upkeep of the site. Um, so that's a selling point to the actual podcaster as well. It's, it's, I would imagine uh, they, it's less work that they have to do to maintain it. Oh, right, definitely, because everything is running on a WordPress multi-site, which is a single installation of WordPress powering separate websites. So each website has its own template, has its own independent content, its own independent users, but it can access the central database. It accesses the same list of plugins so they can be active or not active on sites. So it allows me too, as the developer, especially with stuff like the theme, because of the ways that I've structured things to reference a framework instead of completely independent stuff, I can make one change and it then propagates to all of the websites mm. out there. And that then gives uh, a lot more power to each website to be able to do things that as I research and develop new things that help optimize stuff that they get to tap into that and take advantage of this extra power, as well as not having to worry about keeping their own websites up to date with the latest plugins, the latest patches and all of that. So part of the process is then a migration from their current, whatever their current hosting situation is to the Noodle Mix platform. Right. Yeah, I, I migrate their database, their content. I adapt their design, their cover art. We do some branding, certain things too. And there are certain agreements that we have to have in place too, like what happens when such and such situation occurs and things. But all of this stuff that we work together in. And it's, it's neat to then see great things happen as yeah. a result of that. And do, do you take on um, ownership of looking for the advertisers and you kind of take that off their plate? Yes, but I let them continue to do it. So we okay. have a profit sharing agreement, which is where if I find and negotiate the sponsor, then we split the income in a certain way. But if they find and negotiate a sponsor, then we still split the income, but they get a larger portion of it if they split it. The, the main thing is in order for their podcast to stay on the network, we have to be able to show that it is either helping the network by growing the audience or that it's generating some income to pay for the basic bandwidth expenses and the increase in that within a few months. If okay. not by then, then we need to look at certain other uh, options and ways to maybe move on from there if necessary. Are you actively taking on or looking for new podcasts? Yes, I'm always keeping an eye out, especially our theme is Noodle Mix Network is podcast to make you think, laugh and succeed. So we have a big emphasis on the thinking and laughing sections because all of our entertainment podcasts, like about the different TV shows, I think can also fit under both think and laugh. Yeah. But we don't have many podcasts in the succeed category. So that's something I'm really looking forward to is finding more podcasts to fit in that category. Podcasts where I can trust their pro production quality, their content quality, their presentation quality. I know that they can be completely clean and can carry the clean tag in iTunes. And then that uh, we can agree on these certain terms and conditions of being part of the network. But I definitely want to bring in more success-focused podcasts into the network. And success can be defined 
many different ways. It doesn't have to be just business success, but it could be success in all kinds of ways that could fit in that category. So I am, yes, looking and also receiving requests here and there. Well, I'll definitely pass on uh, that that news. Um, I'm in Podcasters Paradise, so um, it, it's probably it, it might be known already that you are looking. So, but it doesn't hurt to remind people. Yeah, I haven't announced it much yet because I just don't have the pages yet where I can point people to to say this is where you can find more information. But eventually, those pages will be available on Noodle.mx when I do a slight redesign of the site and then have some more content on there for how can you join the network? What are the conditions and requirements? Do you feel, are you at the point where you're seamlessly transitioning the hats of um, network director, I guess is, would be the title for Noodle MX, and then you've got podcast host and then across t- times X number of podcasts that you're hosting and then maybe some co-hosting duties and I'm sure a, a t- some web dev stuff probably. So, is it? Is do you feel like it's something you're doing seamlessly now, or or it's something that you have to be conscious of? Of I'm 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 in this role now. It, it is tricky because it seems like Wednesdays, which is when I during the TV season, Wednesday afternoons is set aside for. Uh, preparing for our, our Once Upon a Time podcast and my Clean Comedy podcast. And it seems like it's always Wednesday that what happens is that I get deeply into some project. Maybe it's working on something for the network and something breaks. And so I, I have to try and fix that. And then I get late in preparing for my other podcast. So there are some times where it's harder to transition because there's a particular project that's ooh new and shiny that yeah. I want to work on <laughs> at that moment. But that's where sometimes I like not having anything scheduled for a particular day. Like today, uh, my only thing on my schedule today was this podcast interview opportunity. And besides that, I've been working on preparing and working on launching mypodcastreviews.com. So it's been nice to have this whole day to just in my mind decide this is all I'm going to work on today and to focus fully on that and know that tomorrow at some point i'll need to put aside whatever i'm working on and start preparing for one of the podcasts that we'll record i signed up for the beta so <laughs> uh so for the my podcast reviews so yeah. interested to see how that turns out so as i mentioned uh, you know part of the reasons that i started is my passion for podcasting and i said i'm gonna do a podcast about podcasts and then i'm and i'm like well that People do that, <laughs> and it's but it's interesting because you talked about it because you had a you had an episode just about that like you know what if other people are um, covering my niche or something like that or and how to address that and I think the point that you made was at the end of the day everyone's got their own life experiences and their own voice that they bring to the table and even though what you do is a podcast about podcasting with Audacity Podcast as I've started to think this through I, I think I'm more doing a podcast about podcasters. Because those are the folks I like speaking to because they're people that I've heard whose podcasts I follow. And I just want to almost like get dig into a little bit behind the scenes, like a VH1 behind the music, if you will, but about podcasters, which which I, I'm always fascinated about because they've all got different stories to tell. Yeah, that's the thing to do is that when you approach the same niche as someone else is to not just rely on your personality being interesting enough to let your show still fit in this space, but you really need to take a different approach to the same perspective. Like 
I didn't just rely on my personality for doing another podcast about how to podcast. But what I did is my approach is very in-depth, very content focused, and also trying to focus on building timeless content Mm -hmm. as well. Tutorials, very specific how-to information, not so much answering the certain questions or addressing the latest news. That comes up every now and then. But it's really how your personality affects your approach and how then your approach differentiates you from all of the other podcasts in the same niche. Yeah, and I think that's that's the most important thing at the end of the day. And it's what I, motivates you to keep going if you feel that what you're doing is a, a unique voice. And I guess at, at some point you'll need some feedback or some reassurance from someone that you're headed down the right path, <laughs> right? Because obviously you, if you just feel like you're just talking into the mic and you're talking by yourself, um, especially for folks that are doing solo shows, which is, I imagine, a bit harder to do. And you could probably relate to that. Yeah, solo is a lot harder because you need to keep the energy up. You need to be able to transition well. You can't just rely on someone else to do some talking while you try and figure out how to transition to the next point. But doing a solo show, as long as you work on improving your talents, it's a great practicing ground for improving so much of your communication. And there have been several people, several prominent podcasters who are now public speakers because (laughs) of their podcasts. And you can count yourself among that list. Actually, I was a public speaker before I started podcasting. I've been public speaking since, actually, since I was a teenager. Oh, wow. And yeah, teaching in schools, volunteer teaching in schools, and then some preaching at a young age and some other teaching in other venues. Well, it definitely comes through, Daniel, because when you're on the microphone, you sound very relaxed and and I can see your smile uh, on the other side of the... (laughs) On the other side of the microphone, if you will, even if I'm just listening on audio, because it, your enthusiasm comes through every time you, you, you talk about a topic. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> How was it to be on uh, Entrepreneur on Fire? That was cool. Um, interesting, because there's this thing that uh, people have labeled the John Lee Dumas effect, and there are a lot of different perspectives on everything. And the main thing is it's amazing what John does. What I don't like seeing is so many people wanting to be the next John Lee Dumas because they can't, they're not John Lee Dumas. And this guy has a personality that he won't stop at things. And sometimes, uh, honestly, and I've said this to him and I've said this in other public places, but sometimes I just feel like, okay, John, please stop leave some success for the rest of us too. But I have to remember, this isn't a pie thing where if he eats a piece of the pie, it means less pie for me. It's he's bringing great attention to the space and his personality allows him to do this. I could have the exact same success or maybe bigger success if I had his personality. I don't, but I define my success in a different way. And I think that I am successful today. My, my, I don't even make what he makes in a single month and a full year for me, but my success looks, looks different to me. So I'm not trying to be him. Yeah. I'm trying to be me. And I think I'm succeeding at that better than anyone else could be. So being on his podcast was, was cool because here's a guy, I got to talk to him before he started his podcast and I would have given him slightly different advice than some of the other people did and encouraged him to go the direction that he went. And he is just really knocking it out of the park because 
his passion drives him so much. And he is a finisher. He's not just a starter. He's a finisher. And he comes up with these ideas. He sees them through to their finish and really pushes them to be successful. And it is inspirational just to talk to the guy and see how much enthusiasm he has and, and take some of that instead of being jealous of his success, which is very easy to do. And I can be competitive in times. So it's very easy for me to start feeling jealous or envious of other people's success. But I can look at it as an opportunity to be inspired and realize he is succeeding or whoever it is out there that I'm jealous of. They are succeeding because they are completing these projects. They are setting aside time to work on these things, do them really well. They ship. Real artists ship great work. And that's why they're succeeding, not just because they managed to be lucky, not just because of their personality, but because of their habits that they have. So that's how I can be really inspired. So being on John's podcast was fun because uh, we've been friends for a couple of years and I've never been on his show yet. And I was glad to be on his show later on when it's got a much bigger audience than (laughs) early on when it had no audience yet. Uh, yeah, I heard once that which stuck has stuck with me forever is that luck is when opportunity meets preparation, and I think mm. that's what's happening there. Yeah, that's good. And you're also part of the podcasters roundtable. Yeah, it's a project that Ray Ortega and I both had these ideas around the same time, actually, and we were talking. Uh, sometimes Ray will even credit me as having the idea for the show, which I wouldn't really say that. It's We both got the ideas at the same time, but it's a lot of fun because it's Ray Ortega from the Podcaster Studio, Dave Jackson from School of Podcasting, and myself from the Audacity to Podcast. We are technically competitors, yeah. <laughs> but many people refer to us as the three amigos because we do so much together. We bounce off each other. We work together. And it's it's really community, not competition. And it's a lot of fun to do to approach this podcasting space in a different way from other people. And knowing that each of us have our expertise, but we're not here to discuss how to do something. We're here to discuss issues and have debates and get into some of those conversations where we know we will disagree. And that's the beauty of that. Uh, You even had John on there, which was funny. (laughs) Yeah, and that was a result of someone, one of our other listeners, writing about the John Lee Dumas effect. And so we got the writer of that article on and John on. And it was a great episode. Lots of great information, truthful facts shared as well. I got got to learn that John did keg stands in college. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because we talked about, uh, I interviewed him really uh, a couple of episodes back and you get to a point where you say a lot of things about yourself and it's the effect of people coming up to you, which I'm at, at this point, I'm sure it happens to you, but they know you from the show and they, and you've said so many things and so many anecdotes about your personal life that people bring it up and you're like, wow, this, this person knows a lot about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's almost freaky sometimes, but yeah. fun too. Yeah, that's good. So having, you know, it's, it's such a short time when you think about 2007 to, to current, you know, seven years, but what has stuck out for you the most in terms of the way things are changing? Um, and do you see this as another renaissance or have you seen it just more as like a slow, slow growth? I see it as slow growth and it's that people are noticing podcasting again because I think it was that when it first started, it was the, oh, wow, this is awesome, new shiny toy. And then people kind of forgot about it and then 
continued the industry as a whole never died or anything like that and it never came back it never went anywhere in the first place but people then rediscover and realize hey this is this is still around i thought this was going to die or i didn't think this would succeed this well or i didn't think that people would be finding a name for themselves like this through podcasting and so it's more people i think seeing the legitimacy of podcasting because of everyone sticking through with it for so long. And as an industry, it's only going to grow with more apps and more devices supporting podcasting. And and for us as podcasters, I think the process will become even easier because when you look at when podcasting first started, you had to hack together all of these tools. And in some cases, there were even people who were handwriting their CSS or their RSS feeds. And yeah, that's a sure way to do it to make sure that there aren't errors. But that's also a great way to introduce errors if you mess up and typing it. But you can still do that today. But there are so many other tools that simplify this. I think that we're going to see more and more platforms and technologies coming out that you don't have to be an uber geek to podcast. And it it might not even be the technology. But what I've seen in especially the year 2013 is a lot of podcast services coming out, not just hosting services, but services where all you do is you record from where you are, you send them the recording, they write the show notes, they edit the episode, they publish it to your website, they manage the hosting, they give you a stats report, they do all of this stuff for you. And it's getting a little bit like the radio is where a radio talent walks in, they're prepared with content they record and they don't have to worry about the production themselves. Someone else handles that for them. I see that happening more and more in the podcasting space. And I think it would be helpful in the podcasting spaces, especially if it's affordable. Yeah, that's an interesting analogy because then as a podcaster, you get to focus on what uh, most of us think is the fun part, the actual <laughs> recording of, of the conversation and, and either the episode or having a, a, a dialogue with another person. And then you feel like you can just hang up the headphones, you go home, and then everything is magically taken care of for you at a cost, obviously. Yeah, and that's where I see myself going more with my business. When I first launched into self-employment in 2011, I thought web design would be my thing and my podcasting would help support my web design. Well, now I'm getting out of web design a bit more and I want to focus more on creating the content, creating the products, creating the services, and sometimes not actually being the one to code it. Like my podcast reviews right now is being programmed by someone else. Yeah, I've given the direction to it and explained, this is what I want it to do. This is how I want it to look like. And someone else is writing the program. And as we're launching that, I hope this week, then uh, it's something that I've directed, I've given the vision for and created this. And while that's being actually hand created by someone else using my idea, I can focus on developing other great ideas. And I think podcasters can start to transition to that. Or if nothing else, for the hobbyist podcaster out there, their process will become even easier. So this hobby that they do will be even more enjoyable and easy for them to continue doing it. Yeah, I think at a very interesting time and and I'm a big fan of like all this future technology and I follow Ray Kurzweil and a lot of things that we talked about the singularity but I think just from a technology standpoint I mean I geek out on, on that stuff incredibly and because of the speed of the phone and the fact that 
the syncing no longer has to be via a cable to your yeah. your computer. Now it's you just it's it happens automatically. Like your episodes just magically just keep showing up, and I just keep hitting my storage limits on my, on my iPhone constantly. So it's forcing me to be a bit pickier about the shows that I listen to. Oh yeah, I I finally today this morning I finally caught up on my podcast listening because I fell behind in January or February of this year. So here we are several months later and I finally caught up completely and then three new episodes downloaded yeah, to yeah. my phone. <laughs> so do you feel like, um, like for me, I think it forces you to f- really think about what are your favorite podcasts? Who are your favorite podcasters? And y- you have to, there's not, not physically enough time in the day or the year to listen to everything that you probably would want to. So what are some of the, the podcasts that are making it to the top of your list lately? It's tough because, yeah, I've I've whittled my list down several times. Like I used to listen to all of the other Once Upon a Time podcasts. I'm looking at my phone to see yeah. some of the podcasts on my list. But um, I had to decide at a point that I can't listen to all of these other podcasts anymore. I used to listen to more design podcasts, but I don't do so much designing anymore. What I do make sure is in my top list are the podcasts, the top podcasts about podcasting, okay. like School of Podcasting, Podcast Answer Man, the Podcaster Studio, the New Media Show, uh, the Feed from Lipson, mm-hmm. uh, and a few others here and there, Podcast Talent Coach also. And then uh, there are other topics that I really like, like certain kinds of marketing uh, shows or business shows, like This Is Your Life, Social Media Marketing, The Lead, 48 Days to the Work You Love, Beyond the To-Do List, Smart Passive Income, The Public Speaker, mm-hmm. Get It Done Guy. A couple things about WordPress. Uh, it's it's tough. I'd say every podcast on my phone, except for the Once Upon a Time podcast, yeah. every podcast on my phone is a podcast that I'll listen to and make any attempt to listen to instead of deleting. Very rarely do I delete an episode because I've already filtered my list down so much. But And the reason why I put the other Once Upon a Time podcast on the list is just that there are so many, I just can't keep up yeah. with them anymore. And I don't want to be borrowing someone else's idea, but I do still, when I can, I want to be able to reference what other people are doing in the space that's awesome to be able to create community instead of competition. The Get It Done guy's been around for a while as well, right? Yeah, and I've had him on the Audacity podcast before talking about productivity tips for podcasters. But yeah, all of those podcasts from the Quick and Dirty Tips Network have been around for a while. They produce great content and they're nice and short too, which is always Yeah, I love the the Get It Done. I mean, they're five minutes, 10 minute podcasts. And so you can almost blaze through a a good 10 episodes depending how fast you're listening to them. So yeah. So you're, you're, you're on the, um, obviously, Noodle Mix, but then you're also on the uh, another network, right? Technology Podcast Network. Yeah, Tech Podcast tech. Network. It's it's called a network by name, but I wouldn't really define it as a complete network. It's more like a club of podcasters, and I'll be doing a series on the Audacity to Podcast later about podcast networks. But uh, there are different kinds of networks and different ways that you can look at a network. But Tech Podcast Network, it has very few requirements, but some cool opportunities to work with other podcasters, like the couple times that I've gone to CES and covered CES live streaming and done on-floor interviews because of working together with the team. And that's neat to be able to work together like that. But it's not as official of a network 
in the same sense as Noodle Mix Network is, where there are contracts, there are agreements, there are ownership and copyrights and services exchanged and such. So is it is it that your content is then just really syndicated on the Tech Podcast Network, the same content that you would release as, a, as your normal episodes? Pretty, yeah. It pulls from my RSS feed, and there are very few requirements. That's just being that I keep my content clean and that I mention the network. No requirement of where that is, no requirement of how I do that necessarily. It's just that there be some kind of mention and certain non-compete agreements too. So it it works to be part of that club while then still running my own network. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I see I see a lot of networks starting up. So I, I feel like that's uh, that's something that's we're going to be seeing more of like more more people starting networks and, and grouping together like minded podcasts, I think is something that I've seen. Um, along those lines, and just as we start to wrap up, what has got you excited uh, about podcasting that's on the horizon and having seen where we've gotten to from 2006, 2007, um, where we're at now, and with all the things that are happening with technology and, and all the people jumping into the space, what about uh, podcasting in, in, in the next six to 12 months are you looking forward to? Am I allowed to mention some of my own stuff? Of course, of course. <laughs> well, I'll mention that last, though. Uh, I think Apple is giving more well-deserved attention back to podcasts. Like they just recently updated the podcast app for iOS and iTunes recently and included a great update. That's a huge thing to podcasters that it seems so simple, but it's that now in your descriptions for your episodes, if there's a URL, not a hyperlink, a formatted thing, there's still no formatting supported, but if there's a URL, like a phone number, an email address, or an actual URL, it's now clickable or yeah. tappable it's so you can tap that and someone can call your voicemail feedback line or they can visit your show notes or visit an affiliate link that's in your show notes in your episode description that's huge for podcasters it makes the notes so much more helpful and this is really nice of them to do this because they didn't have to there's nothing about podcasting as an industry that requires this it's a convenience thing. And when they start addressing convenience issues like that, it tells me that they are interested in seeing this space continue to grow. There are also other things um, that there have been some speculations that maybe Apple will be opening up a sort of stats platform that you'll be able to get information from iTunes, if you're just the average individual podcaster out there, I have access to stats from Apple yeah. because I have Noodle Mix Network. So it has me as uh, one of their special partners in the iTunes store. So I can see some of this information, but I can see that maybe someday, six months from now, maybe they'll open this up to other people. Uh, I think that we'll see the average consumers becoming more and more familiar with podcasts as a way of accessing their content as it becomes more simpler for them to get as apps become easier to use and more prominent maybe devices will start coming pre-installed with a podcast app that's kind of controversial if we really want that to happen but uh, some of the other cool things happening in this space that i'm influencing are uh, mypodcastreviews.com yeah. is the service that i'm trying to launch this week that will provide 
an automatic email to subscribers for all of their reviews in iTunes and all of the different international stores of iTunes. It will send you an email, depending on which level of the plan you use, either a weekly email or even a daily email to notify you when you have a new review. So you can thank these people by name. You can know how's your podcast doing, how are people interacting and appreciating your content. The other thing is I'm looking out there, what are some of the other needs in this space? And I'm coming out with new resource ideas, uh, WordPress plugins and such to try and help this space. I have a new resource that I am working on developing. When is this episode going out? Uh, it's actually going to go out probably next week. So, Okay, well, so I will tentatively mention <laughs> this other resource that I'm making that uh, I, I hope to, I'll, I'll tease with a few more details, but I won't give the URL yet. Yeah. But this will be a website where people will be able to learn all of the, everywhere that they and their podcast should be, not just see a list of these things because there are lists out there, but this will be a directory of directories of sorts and a resource for them to find out where they need to put their podcast, how do they need to get there, how important is it for them to get there, and what are some of the benefits that certain podcast distribution platforms and apps provide over others. So it can also be the potential for this platform that I'm developing is so amazing in ways I'm just as it's grown, I've just been getting more and more excited about it, realizing its potential that, for example... If you've ever wondered what podcast apps are there for Android, well, you'll be able to find that from this list. Or if you're thinking, okay, am I in the Android podcast apps? Well, you can go to this list, find out how do you get into these separate apps with your podcast and what pulls from iTunes, what's automatic, what requires membership, what all of this cool stuff that will be really neat. And I'll be announcing that from the Audacity to Podcast. Definitely looking forward to that. And uh, if we can pry any more information out of you prior to the show going live, we'll, we'll definitely try. <laughs> so just uh, in closing, um, I, I, one question that I like to ask is, you know, with the enthusiasm of all these podcasters doing their shows, um, I like to sometimes understand mindset. And what I want to know is if I ask you why it is you do what you do, how would you answer that question? I do this because I love presenting information. I love helping other people reach their passions and tell their own stories as well. My lawn branding with D. Joseph Design, my parent company to everything I do in my design business, is I've always said you have a message that deserves to look or sound great. And that still carries through in the other content that I do that I believe that you out there have a message to share and it deserves to be shared. And that's why I want to enable people to do is share these messages that they haven't been able to do before and to enable other people to find the success, however it is that they define it. I think that's fantastic, inspiring, um, and it comes through in the range of uh, shows that you do um, and the time that you put into your shows um, and then the resulting quality of the shows that come out from now your whole network. Um, and I think it's one of the reasons why you've been so successful and why you'll continue to be successful. Um, and definitely wishing you uh, the best of luck with 
your current and your future endeavors. Um, and if people want to keep tabs of, of what's going on uh, with everything that you're working on, what's, what's the best way? The best place to go is theaudacitytopodcast.com to learn more about how to launch or improve your podcast and all of the products and services that I will offer for podcasters. And then you can reach out to me on Twitter at the ramen noodle. And that's a Twitter handle that you'll not soon forget. <laughs> yeah, I have. I've tried many times to change it, and it's just it sticks. I think at this point you you have to stick with it. Yeah, embrace the madness. And for the folks uh, listening, Daniel is wearing a hashtag podcaster T-shirt, which I think is fantastic, and I'll probably have to get my hands on one pretty soon. Yeah, Libsyn.com, I think they provide them over there. Okay. So thanks again for coming on Podcast Junkies, Daniel. I had a f fantastic time talking to you, and uh, I'll also see you at Podcast Movement. Awesome. Very good to talk with you too, Harry. Thank you. So needless to say, Daniel J. Lewis is a workhorse. He is super passionate about podcasting. He loves what he's doing. He's a really funny guy. And I think he just brings to bear all the talents he has into his shows. And, and it's obvious when you look at the quality of the shows, when you look at the enthusiasm that he puts in, and when you look at the preparation, it just tells you that he takes this uh, seriously. And he's going to be doing this for a long time. I was very, very impressed by his work ethic and by all the things that he's got going on with the Noodle Mix Network and the products he's created, the, the WordPress plugins. He's just firing um, on all cylinders. And I think I've used that analogy before, but it's apropos here. So I was very, very honored to have yet another podcast pioneer on the show. Um, and Daniel was definitely a, a treat to speak with. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you pardon the, the glitch at the beginning of the show. But I think uh, there was a lot of uh, fantastic content here for, for you guys to enjoy. So staying with the topic of uh, podcast productivity, uh, it was touched upon, uh, touched upon it in the interview. And uh, I definitely believe that folks that are successful have a plan. And I'm drawn to folks who, are, who, who show that discipline in their production schedule um, and in their approach to podcasting. So I've put together a, a cheat sheet on some of the stuff that's helped me and hopefully can uh, continue to add to that because there's things that I can definitely learn along the way from folks like Daniel. And I'm uh, just very uh, impressed when I hear the, the, the work ethic that goes into these uh, podcasts. So uh, the PDF that I put together is called Eight Tools to Skyrocket Your Podcast, Podcast Production. And there'll probably be one where I need to have you improve your uh, eloquence on podcast <laughs> recaps. Anyway, um, things tend to get a little batty here when you're talking to yourself in front of a microphone in your office. So you can um, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt and uh, eight tools to skyrocket your podcast production is on the website. Uh, just go to podcast 
junkies.com slash eight tools and uh, any support or um, uh, love for the podcast then you can uh, send us a review and it's at iTunes podcast junkies.com slash iTunes and let us know what you think of the show you can always comment on the show in the uh, comment section at the bottom of each uh, show notes page and we've had some folks doing that as well and I definitely appreciate that so um, keep the comments coming uh, keep the feedback coming it definitely helps me to make the show better now uh, I know I keep mentioning that I'm going to have George on the show our musical curator Cedar in Soil and that is still in the works but uh, definitely um, he keeps churning out this fantastic music and uh, I definitely couldn't have done it uh, without him he's got uh, unique tastes in music this week he provides us with a track from alice bowman who's a um, hails from malmo sweden the track that he provides is called over it's uh, what he defines as a, a lo-fi introduction to her to her style and the latest release on her on her ep so fantastic choice and uh, a nice way to to close out this episode so take care, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next week and uh, lining up some interesting guests. So um, I'm having fun. I hope you guys are too. Have a fantastic week. Fantastic.